0: Ready and action. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> hey, this morning, uh, like I said earlier, I love, I love baptisms and I love being able to celebrate communion because we bring the reality of the life of Jesus right down where the rubber meets the road. We get to hear about it. So I, w- I want to ask a question this morning real quickly before we bring Sterling up to get baptized. And like, the question is this. I'm. I'm, I think I I can. Let's see if I can fix that. Hang on a second. See if that fixes it. I think maybe I was pulling on the cord. If not, I'll grab the handheld. I'm making an executive decision. All right. Very good. Hey. So. I want to ask the question this morning, why get baptized? You know, we don't often talk about that in church anymore, there's just the assumption of getting baptized, you know, it's just something you do, but why do we get baptized? And I want to come at it from several angles, but I want to talk about baptism and its meaning for just a little bit. It actually has lots of symbolism and meaning to it. I'm not going to try and address it, all of it, but I want to address a couple things, Okay. And one is the word uh, baptize, or it's called, in the Greek, it's something like baptizo, is the verb form. And it's one of the few words in the New Testament Koine Greek that comes into our English language. And it's a word that we use. You didn't know that you spoke Greek, did you? You do. When you say the word baptize, we're talking Koine Greek, okay? So, and, um, <clears throat> in first century Palestine... You had people who, who dealt with textiles that did it with fabric, right? And one of the things that they would do with the fabric is they would dye it, right? So this shirt I have on, it's kind of a, I'm going to maybe get this wrong. It's kind of a blue-green, if you will, right? Aqua, thank you. Yeah, so, so um, when, when, it's, when it's dyed, it's, it's, it's baptized, baptizo, into that. And then it, it takes on that color. It takes on that sort of hue, if you will, right? So, so what they would say is that they would baptize a cloth or a textile, and let's say they, they're putting it in blue dye. Well, now it's, it's blue. It's always identified as blue. And so one of the powerful meanings of baptism, when we really see this in uh, Romans 6, and it's a verse that we sometimes read here when we do baptism, but um, we talk about when, the, when in baptism, when, when we go under the water, we are, are identified with the death of Christ. And just as he rose to new life, we rise to new life as well. So just like the piece of fabric takes on the characteristics of that color, it also, we want to take on the characteristics of our Savior and Lord. So we become identified forever with the life of Christ. And you're going to see that a little bit in Matthew 28. We're going to read that a little bit later, okay? But you'll see that. Another meaning of baptism is cleansing, right? And the text we're going to look at today, we're going to look at Jesus' baptism a little bit. But um, they said about John the Baptist, and we'll read a little bit of his story, but that he was doing a repentance baptism. It was a, it was a cleansing action because he was calling people to repentance, to repent from their sins and to be baptized. And that was a cleansing um, to prepare their hearts for the Lord's coming. Okay, So let's actually read that. If you turn in your Bibles, it's in Matthew. And this is where I get to juggle two hands. I'm looking at Matthew chapter 3. Okay, Matthew chapter 3. And I'm going to read the very beginning of this. It says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. And then here's the quote from Isaiah. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John was an interesting character. We see in verse 4, John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. So you can see some of that imagery right there. Now, what, what... Goes on from there. You know, we we talked last week in my message a little bit of how Jesus seemed like he gave religious people a bad time. So did John the Baptist, because there was something about their religion that stunk, and he wanted them to know that they too they couldn't rely on their own righteousness, but they needed to baptize. And so he had strong words for them. And I'm going to jump down to verse eleven, and these are his words. And notice how he portrays this one who's coming. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear the threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. That sounds pleasant, doesn't it? I mean, that sounds, wow. So he's encouraging them, hey, if your heart's not right, you should be concerned. You need to not rely on your own ability, right? And he paints this picture. And um, so how would you expect, then, the Messiah to show up based on what John just said? Nobody noticed when Jesus shows up. He walked onto the scene, and we don't get any indication that anybody even noticed. Instead, a different kind of a scene unfolds. It's not that what John said wasn't true, but John's looking at it. uh, He's looking at the long story, if you will. But in the immediacy of the moment, what happens is really interesting. So we begin reading in verse 13. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan, to be baptized by John. So, but John recognizes, but John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, Heaven was opened. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him, and a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. So I want to point out one of the things that is happening in this passage I think is really fascinating. You have a gathering of people who are coming to be baptized because of their sin. That's the place that Jesus... Decides to show up, maybe led by the Spirit, to begin to inaugurate his his whole ministry. If you read the story, that's kind of the start. Right after this, he gets led out into the desert for temptation, right? But he comes, and you have to understand that sinners are coming to get baptized. People who recognize that their lives are a mess. And here comes the one that John has talked about. Whose power and glory is far beyond anything anybody can imagine. And yet he comes up with a sinner. And when John tries to stop him, John recognized wait, this isn't, something's not right here. And Jesus says, This is so righteousness is fulfilled. Well, whose righteousness? Whose righteousness? We talked about that baptism is identification. It's a beautiful scene as Jesus, the one who created the universe, the Bible says, shows up and he says, I want to be identified with the sinners. This is so all righteousness can get fulfilled. I want to be identified with the sinners who are coming to repent. That's who I'm going to stand with. So he fully identifies with them. He gets baptized. It's like I'm one with them. What a powerful scene. Powerful in proclaiming what it was that Jesus came to do. Powerful in his identification with you and with I. And it's in that moment that heaven opens up. You see some something like a dove, something that represents the Holy Spirit coming down and inaugurating Jesus' ministry. And in that moment, when that's what Jesus does, what does the Father in heaven say? This is my son whom I love. With him, I'm well pleased. What he has stepped up to do in identifying with sinners, I'm so pleased with him. What a beautiful image for you and I. And so as we read, there are several places that we could turn to, and we'll, we'll look at one a little bit. But when we read uh, uh, that we get to be baptized and identified with Jesus, and we're commanded to do that as, as followers of Christ, it's considered just a part of a natural part of what we do. Because when we come to Christ, we don't just come to Christ. We become a part of his church. We become identified with the life of Christ. And that public declaration of, I'm standing with Jesus, is in response to Jesus saying, I'm standing with the sinners. And now I'm going to stand with Jesus. That's what baptism is. So, what a beautiful imagery, isn't it? What a privilege it is to us to be able to identify with Jesus because he identified with us. So, um, that's what we get to do this morning. Isn't that cool? And um, so I'm going to invite Sterling on up and Joe. So Sterling Johnson, right? What's your middle name? Charles sterling charles johnson and this is joe joe and i are good buds joe is sterling's dad and he gets to participate with us this morning um i want to read a verse you know in in communion and baptism we we celebrate some of the core essential things of what it means to follow christ and um The Apostle Paul, when he's writing to the Ephesian church, he picks up on some of these mega themes, if you will, and you can hear them as I read this. This is from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, and he reminds the church in Ephesus about their identity, who they are, and what it was that helped them form their identity, what it is that helps form their identity. He says this, There is one body, And one spirit, just as you were called to one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, the Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. So I had the opportunity to meet with Sterling and his family, and we went over some stuff. And so I have some questions for you. You ready? Sterling, you have you made it the decision of your life to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If so, say yes. Yes. Do you with God's help turn your back on the enemies of the Christian life? Specifically, the crooked ways of this world, Satan, and your own sinful nature? If so, say yes. Yes. And is, is is it your intention to publicly declare your allegiance to Jesus Christ today by being baptized? Yes. All right, excellent. So, reading from Matthew. So, Matthew, these are words that I focused on a little bit last week. Very end of Jesus' ministry, after he was resurrected, right before he ascends into heaven, he says these words to all his followers. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So very good. So at this time, uh, Sterling, we're going to invite you to climb in. And we're going to do this, all right? Oh, you know what? You just, that was a test. I wanted to give you an opportunity to read your paper, and I totally skipped it. <laughs> it's going to get wet, and it's going to be hard to read. So um, Sterling has a little something he um, has prepared to share, and so I'm going to hold the microphone up so you can read it, Okay. I asked my mom if I should ask Jesus into my heart so I could die and be with my dog Sydney when he died. My mom explained that I did not ask Jesus into my heart so I could die, but because Jesus died for us to show us love. We asked him in so he can help us make good choices and because we love him. I thought about it for a while and then we prayed and made Jesus my ruler. I told my mom I was as happy as a lark. Happy as a lark? That's a good one. That's very good. I I can hold that for you. All right. Now, Now we're ready, right? Are we ready? All right. Let's do this. You can get down on your knees there. There you go. And you can plug your nose if you want to. Sterling Charles Johnson because of your desire to follow Jesus <laughs> and hang on <laughs> and your proclamation of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior I baptize you in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit I want to ask you to join me as we pray. Let's bow our heads, pray for Sterling. We thank you, almighty God, for the gift of water, for the gift of baptism, all that it symbolizes. Lord, all authority in heaven has been given to Jesus Christ. And because he identified with us, He gives us opportunity through his death, through his resurrection, to identify with his life. So we pray for Sterling today. We thank you for this day and what it represents. Lord, we ask that you would give him a special measure of your grace as he responded in faith and obedience today. May it be that he sees your spirit just helping him to come alive. We ask that he would grow in wisdom and the knowledge of his Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, protect him as he grows through the challenges of childhood, through the challenges of being a teenager and entering adulthood, and may he become a great man of God, we pray. Thank you. Also ask that you would be with Hannah and Joe and... uh, Sterling's sister, Merci, as they um, encourage him, as they do life with him, may they experience um, community as a family. May they experience community here at the church. And Lord, together all of us want to know Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Very good. So this morning, we all get to remember what it was that Christ did for us individually, what he did for us collectively as we come to the table and um, celebrate communion together. Uh, In a moment, when I pray, you're going to be dismissed to the stations, and we have uh, two stations up front here and two in the back. And uh, what you will do is you'll go and, um, when you're ready, Go ahead and take the cracker that we have that representing the body of Christ and eat it when you're ready. But hold on to the cup and we'll take that together, okay? We'll take that together. So let me read from um, Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11. Paul is reminding the Corinthian church, how it is um, that they're to receive communion and and, um, the meaning behind it. And so he writes and he says, I'm going to have to, I need three hands this morning. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. Actually, I'm going to invite Thad. Can you come up here? And at the appropriate time, I want you to break the bread, right? You're going to be my third and fourth hand, okay? And at the appropriate time, I want you, uh, in the scriptures I read, could you pour that out? Because this is a very tangible thing that we do. um, And we make the mistake sometimes of thinking that our spiritual lives are separate from our physical lives, and they're very intertwined. They're part of the same thing. And so I want us to be able to see these elements the breaking of the bread, and the pouring out of the wine as we talk talk about what Jesus said and what he did for us. So I'm going to start again, and Thad's going to help me out. Thank you, Thad. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And then Paul adds these words. He says, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Thank you, Thad. Let's bow and thank God this morning. Father in heaven, Moments ago, as we celebrate baptism, we're reminded of the very real death you died on our behalf, identifying with us. And as Sterling comes up out of the water, we're reminded that you were um, resurrected to new life. That gives us hope. Lord, when we look to you, we find healing and wholeness. So now as we receive communion... We celebrate your love and your grace, Lord. We, in faith, come to you to receive. As we eat the bread, as we taste the juice, may we remember the reality of your death for us. And may it cause our hearts to leap for joy. May we commit ourselves fresh and new to you today to being identified with the life of Jesus. That's our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. So as you're ready, I invite you to come and uh, receive communion. It's going to be awkward if I let them without having one. So, You want to grab one real quick? We'll wait. We're going to wait on Janelle. Uh, we're going to wait on Mary. I want to get one for Mary. Okay, Mary passed it. Okay, no. Let's raise our cups. This is the cup. Of the new covenant in Jesus' blood, by which we say thank you for his life and resurrection. Let's drink together. Hey, I want to remind you these words as we are uh, still haven't quite finished our series on evangelism without additives. These are the kinds of things that we get to celebrate when we see God work through his church to see the missing people. The missing people in our community that God wants come and get to be a part. They get to be baptized. They get to join in communion. So remember, Jesus, on that mountainside, the last things he says in, in Matthew 28, and I'll remind you, too, that some of them doubted, probably not unlike us. It says in Matthew, Jesus had gathered his disciples, it Says, but some had doubts, like us. But he commands us anyway, right? He says, go and make disciples, of all nations, baptizing them, that is identifying them in the life of the the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you, and I am with you to the very end of the age. We're not quite there yet, so he's still with us, all right? God bless you as you go. Amen.